0: There it is. The NFL season has come to an end. The New England Patriots win their sixth Super Bowl. Uh, I would say uh, they ended on a great note, but boy, uh, that was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever seen. But hey, still a fun game. Uh, you know, even during moments like this, I say it's a fun game because social media is always there to make things entertaining. It just is. I'm telling you, man. Anything that's overhyped or that's disappointing, social media is always there to make it better. That's just the way it works in 2019. It's been that way for years now, but that's the social media we're in. It makes even the worst things better. Lots to talk about. Of course, we will recap the game. A game where, really, I don't have a whole lot to say, but I still have some things I want to say. More so about the reaction with... The Patriots winning and Julian Edelman winning MVP. We will talk about the Patriots 13-3 Super Bowl win over the Rams. It was a great week for the Kansas City Chiefs, despite not being in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes got a lot of attention during Super Bowl week. And of course, he officially wins MVP. also won another award, actually two other awards. Uh, in addition to that, the NFL Honors uh, took place. I mentioned Mahomes winning an award. And three Chiefs, three former Chiefs, are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. One of those Chiefs, however, Tony Gonzalez, uh, he has made a lot of Chiefs fans angry uh, because of a tweet and a comment he said in an interview, and that pissed off a lot of Chiefs fans. I've got a lot of things to say about that, and I'll address that as well. I'll definitely talk about the halftime show with Maroon 5. I have some thoughts on that. Uh, also, at the end of the podcast, I want to talk about Barstool Sports, uh, one of my favorite websites, and I love going to their uh, video channel as well on YouTube, their social media is great, but uh, everyone knows about Barstool Sports, they got a lot of attention this week because Dave Portnoy, the founder, uh, was kicked out twice from an NFL event, uh, once with Media Day and once with the Super Bowl there's a lot to say about that, uh, so a lot to get into. We're not going to do the closing segments on this episode, simply because we've got a lot to talk about on this episode, so instead we'll do the closing segments for Friday's episode, and that will be the last, uh, this week is going to be the last time we will have uh, a bi-weekly episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. My name is Farzad Vesugi and hope you guys enjoy your weekend, final weekend of NFL football, the Super Bowl has come to an end, so... Uh, there is that, unfortunately. Season is uh, coming to an end. Just uh, a very high-scoring season, uh, but the Super Bowl, definitely not a reflection of that. But still, some things to talk about from this football game. I'm going to get into it. Uh, you guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com. slash That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We are very close. And I'm not big on milestones, but... Uh, I, and I've always talked about wanting to expand and have the podcast grow, and it certainly has this year. And our Facebook page, uh, you have, we had what roughly two thousand five hundred likes on the page, two thousand five hundred followers uh, around de- the the month of December, and we are very close to four thousand likes, less than hundred likes for that. So invite your friends, please. Uh, if you go to the face, it's easier to do on a desktop, but if you go on the Facebook page. Uh, again, on a computer, not on your uh, on your smartphone apps. And if you just go to the page, uh, facebook.com slash and then click Invite Your Friends. And then hit Select All very quick and simple way. So if you guys can give 20 to 30 seconds, again, it's easier to do it on a desktop. Invite all your friends to the Facebook page uh, because we are very close to hitting that 4,000 like mark. Uh, and I really appreciate those who have... Done everything, listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast, as well as the social media pages and spreading the word as well. You guys have clearly done that, and the numbers have shown that. And I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but uh, you guys deserve all that praise and all the credit, and I really appreciate that, and I, and I mean that, I really do. So I thank you guys that i have helped the the podcast expand a lot over the last two months, and I know a lot of that has to do with Kansas City success on the field and. That's a part of it, man. That's how it works sometimes. So I appreciate all of you guys who have done that. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21, plus my email, farzine at farzinevasugian.com. Like I said, a lot to get into. We even decided to uh, shift around with the closing segments, do it for a a different episode. We'll do it later this week, uh, but it will be the last time we'll have two episodes per week of the Chief Zone podcast. But let's get right into it with the Super Bowl. Uh, Patriots win 13-3, to and I've got to just ask this question from the get-go. What in the hell happened to the L.A. Rams in this game? What in the world happened to Jared Goff? I mean, Jared Goff looked lost in this football game after being the second highest scoring team in the NFL behind Kansas City. And the Chiefs had uh, the third highest scoring offense in NFL history, but... The Rams were not too far behind the Chiefs. They actually did a lot of great things to it. It was just overshadowed by because of Kansas City's dominance as the year went on. But Sean McVay clearly did not prepare his offense the way they should have. And I don't know what's going on with Todd Gurley either because he did not play a lot in the NFC Championship game and he didn't see a lot of touches in the first half and at that point, even though they weren't falling, even though they weren't behind badly, it was it was three nothing at halftime. It, I mean, they still did not use Todd Gurley the way they did. Uh, that was very shocking. And, and by the way, to be fair, Tom Brady didn't look good either. The Patriots were three of twelve on third down. Rams were three of thirteen. Uh, Julian Edelman was the one who who really came through and dug the Pats out of big holds when they were in trouble, and Gronk also had that big catch in the fourth quarter to put the Pats inside the five when it was uh, tied at three apiece, and on the next play, rookie Sony Michelle scores the only touchdown of the game, then they get another field goal to go up by ten, the Rams try to rally, they hilariously missed that field goal in the end, trying to make it a one-score game so they could go for the onside kick. Essentially, a lot of miracles needed at at that point. Uh, You pretty much knew it was New England's Super Bowl all the way at that point. By the way, I've got to make a joke here. Uh, I said this on social media. Uh, The Chiefs' defense, not the only one letting Julian Edelman get wide open. Well, the Rams' defense, which, I mean, they've got the best secondary in the NFL. I know Marcus Peters has not had a, a good year, but I actually thought Marcus Peters had a very good game. Uh, if, you, if you've if you been following the Rams closely, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans at least followed Peters' season as the year went along, Peters actually played very well. Uh, n- not at all uh, in any comparison to how he did uh, as the regular season went along. I thought Peters was actually their best hope at a pick six, something to at least get a touchdown in this game, which Rams were unable to do. But Brady threw an interception on the first pass that he threw in this game it was actually the first drive of the game, but boy, the Rams absolutely did nothing in this football game. That defense was great for the Rams. Wade Phillips, I mean, that, that's kind of a, a performance, a championship-level performance that gets you a potentially another head coaching gig one day. I thought this Rams defense did everything possible to shut down the Patriots the, uh, the way you could have shut them down. You couldn't shut them out, necessarily, uh, score-wise. But, boy, to hold the Patriots... If you told me before the episode that the Patriots were going to score 13, I would say, man, uh, something would have to go terribly wrong with the Rams to not surpass that. And, by the way, what did I predict in this football game? A lot of you guys laughed at me for this. I picked the Patriots to win 14-10. to 10. I said it was going to be low-scoring... Even though the Rams and Patriots both are capable of doing things offensively, I can see both teams dealing with trouble. Now, the type of trouble I thought Brady would deal with didn't necessarily happen in this football game. We, we saw Denard and Sue and Aaron Donald. They got to Brady a little bit, but not not too. Uh, it wasn't too crazy. Uh, I mean, the, the Rams have had better games defensively speaking this year, uh, at least with their front front guys. But uh, Brady had more problems. Just kind of getting through this uh, this Rams secondary. That's what gave Brady a lot of problems in this game. But man, he was able to connect with Julian Edelman. Uh, connected with Gronk on a lot of short passes. But he had that one long pass in the fourth quarter. And that was the big play right there. Uh, a couple notes here. Uh, by the way... A lot of people are saying that they wish it was the Chiefs and Saints in the Super Bowl because of how boring this was. Although, I don't think anyone would be opposed to a Chiefs-Rams rematch, given what happened to those two, both scoring in the 50s. Here's the thing. People are saying that this game was boring. You know who's saying that? The same people, speaking of the Chiefs and Rams Monday Night Football game, the people who are complaining and moaning about how boring this game was and that there was no offense are the same ones who were complaining on Monday Night Football earlier this season saying that there was no defense in the chiefs and rams game which by the way i i I get it you saw 50 plus points from both teams but both defenses still scored in that game too uh i'm not saying the defenses is great obviously not uh but but there were defensive big defensive highlights in that game uh look we We sit here and we uh, when I say we, I'm talking about a lot of people out there, so I certainly I wasn't. Uh, and I'm trying to talk about that Chiefs and Rams game from an objective neutral standpoint. People watch that game and look, you can complain about no defense, but at the end of the day, if people aren't scoring, then you're gonna complain even more. I'm what who was it? I think it was Alabama and LSU a few years ago, several years ago. They played a game and it was only field goals. And I think back when they had that uh, BCS bowl system set up, they put those two teams in the championship game and everyone said no one wants to see this rematch. No one wants to see them play soccer, apparently. No one wants to see them kick field goals. Uh, This right there is proof that, sure, there might be people out there who will complain about high-scoring games like that Chiefs and Rams game. But you're going to complain a lot more when it's a low-scoring football game, like a what was the score? Thirteen to three. It was it was three nothing for a long part of the game. The Patriots even missed the field goal at one point. Uh, but uh, what, what was it? Three three heading into the fourth quarter, and people were hoping, okay, this is the quarter where things really pick up. But no, not at all. Uh, it did not happen. And the, by the way, very odd. I mentioned this last podcast. I'll say it again. The Patriots have only scored three points in their nine Super Bowls. Only three. And that was the one last year against the Eagles. Could have been six if Goskowski connected. And I don't know if there were misses from Venetieri or, or any other missed opportunities in previous Super Bowls for the Patriots. But, uh, boy, that is hard to, to believe. Three points total in their nine first quarter Super Bowl appearances. That is uh, That is definitely a shocking stat with that Patriots team. But, hey. They've won more than they've lost, so gotta give them credit for still finding a way to grind through. And, and, and look, this was the biggest margin of uh, of, win, of victory the Patriots have had in a Super Bowl, which was their worst performance, even in the losses. Uh, this was just terrible. Uh, the, the the loss, they had, the two, both losses against the Giants, they were slightly better than how they looked in this game, which they won. So uh, Brady and the Patriots, they were pretty bad in this game. But the Rams were just worse. Uh, Jared Goff had absolutely no sense of awareness as to what was going on, it felt like. there was I think the one play that just kind of told me that there's no way Jared Goff is, is going to be able to do anything. There was one play where he had plenty of time to look for a receiver. And look, I'm not faulting him if he couldn't find anyone wide open. But the Patriots then rushed their linebackers in the middle of that long play. And they ran into him and he fell to his knees it, it, like, like he just was defeated and he couldn't do anything anymore. And I thought, you know what? I just don't know. It, it, just by, by the look on his face and the way he went down on his knees, the Rams aren't going to win. The Rams aren't going to do anything. Uh, I mean, look, the Patriots can go with Goskowski all game long. Because I don't know if the Rams are going to do anything to to make a make a threat there. And then that interception to Stefan Gilmore, I thought he definitely panicked. And to be quite honest, I think there were better options for the Rams in that in that driver in that play specifically. And he went for the long haul there. Brandon Cooks uh had a touchdown play right there in the end. So it's not all on Jared Goff, by the way. Uh but it was a good play by Stefan Gilmore, too, breaking that up. That, that that's what good cornerback, that's what a Pro Bowl cornerback is supposed to do. And look, Brandon Cook's a great wide receiver, and of course a former Patriot. Not that it has anything to do with his skills, but uh he I mean that that guy had a hell of a hell of a game too. Just a couple of mistakes from him that maybe hurt this Rams football team and could have changed momentum. You just never know with that with that kind of thing, but uh the Patriots pulled it out when they needed to. And the Rams. Really, I mean, they they just had no answer in this football game. Defensively, I just feel bad. I thought the Rams' defense—if you hold the Patriots to thirteen—and you have the second highest offense in the NFL, scoring offense in the NFL, man, you would think that they, the Rams, would have pulled out something out of the out of their bag of tricks, especially with how creative Sean McVay's been. Uh, But we did not see that in this football game, and I think as Chiefs fans, you feel a little bit bitter about this one because. You look at the fact that the Chiefs were the highest scoring team in the NFL this year, third highest in NFL history, and the fewest points you scored in a game was 26 points. You probably could have done some things in this football game. Now look, that also means Bob Sutton would still have been employed, and maybe the Patriots would have scored Rams. And again, I know realistically you can only play the Rams. Uh, but let's just say the Patriots, let's just say in this crazy world that could, we could potentially live in one day, That the Chiefs could play either of these two teams. Kind of like college basketball. You know, you can play someone from your own conference in the championship. Who who knows? Uh, The the fact that these two teams scored a combined 16 points makes you wonder, what could the Chiefs have done in this football game? I mean, yeah, the Rams' defense is amazing, but... It's Tom Brady we're talking about here. And again, I know he was not a top-five QB this year, but... Again, it's Tom Brady... And Julian Edelman, hell of a postseason for him against the Chiefs and against the, the Rams. And I do want to say this because people are complaining, and I, and I guess there's some rule in Major and I, I don't follow baseball that well. I've said that before, but I guess there's a rule in Major League Baseball where if a player was suspended for steroids, PEDs, whatever, that they are not able to play in the postseason. I, had no, I, I think that's a ridiculous rule. If a guy gets suspended... If he serves his suspension, then he served a suspension. You don't need to suspend him again for the postseason, I, I, uh, unless he tests positive again for for a supplement. A lot of people are saying that this rule should have been implemented, but they're only saying that after the fact that Edelman wins MVP. Uh, look, uh, Edelman, yeah, he he did. He had steroids in his system. Should never have had it, but he suffered the consequences for it. And let me say one other thing. Speaking of suffering the consequences and slow starts for the Patriots, remember when the Patriots got destroyed by the Chiefs on Monday Night Football in 2014? The Patriots started 2-2 two two that year. In 2016, Brady was suspended four games. Still, not too bad. Patriots went 3-1. 2017, they lose on Banner Night uh, against the Chiefs, embarrassing them in Gillette Stadium. They started 2-2 two two that year. This year, the Patriots started 1-2. And that was while Edelman served his four-game suspension. Listen, man, the, the, the Patriots still make it to the Super Bowl, even with some of the worst starts we've seen from them in recent years. And look, let me just say this, because, I and I said this after the 1-2 and two start, people kept tweeting me, they said, hey, maybe the Chiefs are going to run away with this conference. I said, no, not not so fast. We've seen this story before. We saw the Patriots get off to a very slow start in 2014 and 2017, so let's not write them off yet. I wrote that. And people said there's no way this dynasty's over. Every time the Patriots got off to a slow start, and every time we say that the dynasty's over, and look, it's not just Patriots haters. There are because I know people like to play that card, especially Patriots fans. But there are a lot of Patriots fans who have wrote this team off many times. Every fan base does it now in the social media era. I, I know I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but. We're in the era now where everyone wants to succeed now. The moment something's going wrong, people want to change. They they don't care who you are. They don't care if your name is Tom Brady and you had five Super Bowl rings. At the time, he had five. They just want to see change instantly. And even Patriots fans. Uh, look, I, I know Patriots fans are playing the whole victim card of being underdogs and being doubted. Patriots fans have doubted this football team. Everyone's doubted the Patriots uh, at least a couple of times during these four or five years that I've talked about here, uh, with the slow starts and Brady suspension and Edelman suspension, everyone's uh, played a hand in, in doubting the Patriots, whether you're a fan of them or not. Uh, but nonetheless, Edelman served his suspension, and people just are are complaining at this point about the Patriots getting to another Super Bowl and winning once again. Look, if you're tired of that, just hope that your, your team dethrones them. And for a majority of you guys listening or who are Chiefs fans... Well, good news, the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs were 0-2 this year against the Pats, but they probably are the NFL's best chance at dethroning the the Kings of the NFL and the AFC. Would have been a nice story for the Chiefs to dethrone the Pats and move on to the Super Bowl, but obviously didn't go down that way. But even in the end, there's a chance still, Brady's not retiring anytime soon, he made that clear. Uh so we're probably going to see Mahomes versus Brady 3 in 2019 and speaking of that it's very likely that the Chiefs could be the team that visits the Patriots to open up the 2019 season just like 2017 Adam Schefter reported Sunday morning that the winner of this game uh whether it was the Patriots or the Rams they uh if they were chosen to do the traditional banner night with the Super Bowl champs opening uh, at home, Uh, in this case now we know it's the Patriots, Uh, there, there was already strong consideration that the Chiefs would visit the Patriots or the Saints would visit the Rams, both conference championship rematches. Now, obviously we know the Rams lost, so they'll probably save that rematch for a different week in the NFL season. However, there is talk, because it is going to be the NFL's 100-year anniversary that the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers might end up opening the 2019 NFL season. And to that I say, who cares? I, I get it's a special anniversary. Save that for like a Monday Monday night football game. And do it at Lambeau or or, or Chicago for all I care. Uh, but don't take away the, this tradition that the NFL's had now for having... The winning, the, the winning team from the Super Bowl open up on Banner Night. We, we've actually seen a lot of great things from that. Now we're potentially going to get an AFC Championship rematch to start. A couple of years ago when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, we saw the Panthers visit the Broncos for an immediate Super Bowl rematch. Uh, not a Super Bowl rematch, but you get the idea to open up the following season. So I like the way that the NFL has done this. And, I, and I, I've got to say, a small part of me was... Even though I'm a Patriots hater like many of you guys, I was kind of hoping the Pats would win just so there could be that strong chance of the Chiefs and the Patriots opening up the season. Because look, let's be honest, man. That was not a fun way to end the season. Uh, Not scoring in the first half. The D-4 offside. Eric Berry's dropped interception. A lot of things happened in this game. So why not go out there and prove that, hey, you're going to be a better football team this year. And let's start off on a high note in 2019. And I'm already seeing people write the team, write the Chiefs off. See, these are the same people who did that in 2017 and look what happened. And I listen, I'm not the guy that's saying just because it happened in 2017 it'll happen again. What I'm saying is don't just write the team off. You know it's possible. If there was any team this year that really gave the Patriots a hard time, despite not beating them. I know the Patriots lost five games, but boy, did the Chiefs really give the Patriots a run for their money twice. So I'd be looking forward to that matchup, and if it's not going to be the uh, first NFL game, I still think it should be a week one game. The Patriots should have their banner night on a primetime game, either a Sunday night or a Monday night, and they should have the Chiefs as the visiting team to open up their 2019 season. It was a great week for the Chiefs, though, despite not being in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, he was a huge deal during uh, Super Bowl week with the media he attended the EA Sports event uh th- that got him a lot of attention he hung out with uh Deontay Wilder who is a heavyweight boxing champion in fact those who actually uh, posed in a picture for a stare down which went viral on social media Patrick Mahomes uh gosh he also took a photo with someone else I can't remember who it was uh I mean, Mahomes, there were all kinds of things going on with Mahomes. He did interviews with Good Morning America, Sirius XM, all the national outlets, uh, CNN, uh, everywhere. I mean, he was doing all sorts of interviews uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. So everyone was making a big deal with Mahomes being there. And kind of a funny side story, too. Josh Allen of the Bills supposedly told Barstool Sports that he wants to challenge Patrick Mahomes to a contest to see who can throw a football the furthest. So there's that challenge being thrown out there against Patrick Mahomes. And he's already responded to that. Tyreek Hill was also at uh, Super Bowl week. Where he hung out with Chad Ochoacinco. longtime time Bengals wide receiver. Uh, those two had some fun together. And Tyreek Hill also uh, was hanging out with Usain Bolt. Uh, fastest man in the world. And Usain Bolt. He participated in the 40 yard dash. And he, they timed him. And I forgot what his time was. But whatever the time he had actually broke the NFL combine record for fastest 40yard uh, mark there so you had that and of course Usain Bolt and Tyree Kill they posed for a photo together which is very cool because uh, a lot of people have compared Tyree kill and-, and Usain Bolt they actually would show clips of Usain Bolt and his uh, participation in the Olympics and then they would put a, a line that would represent Tyree kill and- where he compares. To USA Bolt, and it's very, very close. So that was pretty cool to see. And Tyreek Kill, of course, a former track star uh, when he was in college at Western Alabama. Travis Kelsey also was at Super Bowl a week, and he actually was part of the NFL Today's CBS Sports Panel along with Vaughn Miller as a guest analyst Sunday afternoon. So a couple of the Chiefs uh, out there in Atlanta for the Super Bowl and a lot of attention for all of those guys uh, especially for Patrick Mahomes at the NFL honors uh he won the AP NFL MVP receiving 41 of the 50 votes the other nine going to Drew Brees by the way this is this is pretty cool Paul Rudd who is a Kansas City native who has been in, uh it, whose career has really gone up uh, the past few years he's he was in the the Anchorman movies and he's also been in um a couple of the big Marvel movies Uh, He's, of course, Ant-Man. He's also a writer for Ant-Man. I had no idea he was a writer for the longest time. I had no idea. And he's going to be in his first Marvel Avengers. And for those who are Marvel fans like myself, you guys know uh, the Avenger movies are a big deal. And and Paul Rudd's going to finally make his debut in an an Avenger movie with Marvel, which is going to be great for his career, of course. Uh, He uh, he, uh, made the announcement for Mahomes winning MVP. And he kind of did it in a cool way where he said the MVP is... And he turns around, and his suit is actually like a Mahomes, uh, kind of like a jersey. You know those shirts that, they're not actually jerseys, but they're shirts. They have got the name and the number on the back. That's what Paul Rudd had with Mahomes. It had Mahomes' name, uh, his last name, I should say, and the number 15. So it was a pretty cool way. And I posted all of that on uh, on the Facebook page as well. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, but Paul Rudd did introduce Mahomes as the NFL MVP, and nine votes going to Drew Brees. Let me just say this. If, if it was one or two votes, okay, no big deal, but nine votes, uh, that's significantly high for a guy, for for Drew Brees to get, com- considering the fact that Mahomes had 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 passing yards. Now look, he threw 12 interceptions. Big deal. I get Drew Brees had 5 INT. and Drew Brees had an MVP season. Mahomes just had a better MVP season. Let me say this. I know, I understand, you know, Drew Brees, low interception ratio. 12 is not that bad of a number either, folks. And I really want to know the logic. What was it that made those nine guys go against Mahomes? Because 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 passing yards, if... If Mahomes does not get your vote, I really want to know what your definition of an MVP is. There might be someone out there that might be able to make the argument, whether you agree or not, but somewhat of a valid argument about, hey, look, this team still was a good football team under Alex Smith. Could you still say that about Drew Brees or the Saints without Drew Brees? That I can somewhat understand, but I don't know if I'd agree enough to the point where I don't think Mahomes doesn't deserve your vote. Uh Some I've got to say, I'm pretty shocked. Nine votes for a guy who had 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 passing yards, uh, only the third quarterback to ever do that, and to have nine votes go against him, uh that is a significantly high number. I know we don't get explanations from voters, but I think... We need to change that. We need to have voters provide just like a brief... It doesn't have to be a paragraph. uh, Maybe just one or two sentences explaining why they voted the way they did. I think that would be a good thing to have. Uh, I'd love explanation for these kinds of things. I'm all ears. You guys know me. I'm always willing willing to listen to people's opinions whether I agree or not. Uh, By the way, Mahomes also won Offensive Player of the Year at the... NFL Honors, he also won NFL FedEx Air Player of the Year. So Mahomes took three big awards uh, during Super Bowl week. So a great week for Patrick Mahomes. And hey, February 2nd, 2019, Patrick Mahomes won regular season MVP. February 2nd, 2020, Patrick Mahomes will win the Super Bowl MVP. Go ahead and save that audio clip. I've tweeted it. I posted it on Facebook. Save the tweet. Take a screenshot because... February 2nd, uh, 365 days later, Mahomes will get another MVP award, just a better MVP award. NFL honors did take, take place, as I mentioned, and that also included the announcement for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2019. That included three former Chiefs, Tony Gonzalez, who we all know changed the tight end position. Johnny Robinson, uh, amazing defensive back, amazing safety. One of six players, by the way, from the Super Bowl defense in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now, he led the league in interceptions twice. He's 13th all-time in interceptions with 57 in his career. Uh, played on offense as well and did a fairly good job at that. You you, you think of a player doing that in today's... St- players pl- uh, playing multiple positions on offense or defense and on special teams, that is a difficult thing to do. To play on both offense and defense, that is very difficult to do and... Johnny Robinson did a good job of it. Mostly as a defender. uh, More so than a wide receiver. But still. uh, That is a very difficult thing to do. Even in that era of football. Uh, Just more difficult to do now. Something like that. Playing on offense and defense. So very cool to see Johnny Robinson. uh, The senior nominee. Get elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Ty Law. Who spent most of his career as a Patriot. Also was with the Jets. Chiefs and Broncos. Uh, But. Amazing cornerback, and I know he didn't have the greatest run with the Chiefs, but that playoff game against Peyton Manning, boy, uh, did he do a lot to help the Chiefs stay in that football game. That was the game where Trent Green, the same season he suffered a concussion, came back, did not do very well, and and Herm Edwards stuck with Trent Green when he said he would consider uh, Damon Heward if uh, Trent struggled, but he never made that move right there, and Larry Johnson, uh, after an amazing season, was shut down against the Colts on the road, so uh not very not a very good game but boy Ty Law did he do everything in his power to keep the Chiefs close in this football game that was a lot of fun to see uh in in that season as well I think he had five picks in the regular season to help the Chiefs so uh did have one good season with the Kansas City Chiefs Uh, also former uh offensive coordinator I forgot to mention this with the uh, awards uh Matt Nagy he won coach of the year getting 24 votes. Uh, Now, of course, the head coach of the Bears, Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, got 10 votes. Frank Reich got eight votes. That would have been my pick for Coach of the Year. Andy Reid got five votes. Surprisingly, neither Sean McVay uh, or Bill Belichick got a vote. I know Bill Belichick, the Coach of the Year award, it's more about who, who was able to get their team to improve. Andy Reid didn't get the Chiefs to improve by that much. I think the five votes have to do with how he coached. Patrick Mahomes. Frank Reich. I mean, you start 1-5 and, and you go to the playoffs, that definitely should get you some votes. Anthony, uh, uh, Anthony Lynn did a good job with the Chargers grinding through after a couple of rough years under Mike McCoy. Eventually got the uh, Chargers to get back on track and to compete in the AFC West. And Matt Nagy, of course, he really did a great job turning the Bears around. Slow start this year, especially with Trubisky, but he did a really good job as the season went along and that got him Coach of the Year honors. Now... It wasn't all great news with the Kansas City Chiefs. There, uh, There is some drama, I guess. Uh, there always has to be. Uh, last week it was D'Anthony Thomas. This week it is, believe it or not, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, Tony Gonzalez tweeted on a Thursday or a Friday. He he tweeted a photo of himself as a Falcon scoring a touchdown and uh, dunking on Arrowhead's goalposts, which... Pissed off a lot of Chiefs fans. I didn't see the big deal about it. He t- in his tweet he said, "Hey, it's great to be in Atlanta. And it reminds me of the good old days." Sorry, Chiefs. And I believe he deleted that photo because I don't see it on his uh, on his Twitter feed anymore. Uh, unless I completely missed it, he I believe he has deleted that from Twitter. But as we know, everything is uh, screen capped or at least quoted, so it's never deleted forever. And then a day or two later. And again, keep in mind, he's being interviewed by the Atlanta media. Zach Klein, uh, who is with the ABC affiliate in Atlanta. A KU grad too, by the way. He reached out to me once. Very cool guy. Uh, Back when I was a KU student. uh, Zach Klein asked him what it meant to have uh, the last five years of his career in Atlanta. Gonzalez said, quote, the Falcons made my career. He said, no offense to Kansas City. But he enjoyed uh, the fact that you know he was on a winning team and they were winning more, and he was playing on Sunday and Monday night more, and that really rubbed off the wrong way with Chiefs fans. Chiefs fans were pissed about this. The Chiefs fans were irate, uh, and there was even a petition online to remove Tony Gonzalez from the Ring of Honor. Tony Gonzalez uh, published a video on both on all media outlets, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and. Instagram uh didn't necessarily say uh that he was sorry didn't necessarily apologize but this was damage control he basically said hey Chiefs fans I was surrounded by Atlanta media they wanted a positive comment Uh, he, he was basically trying to say sorry without saying the word sorry now to say that Atlanta made his career and no offense to Kansas City look Willie Rofe went into the Hall of Fame as a saint But he said that he would not have been a Hall of Famer if it not had been for Kansas City. And plus, you know, the Saints never had a pro football Hall of Famer, so he wanted to go in with his name etched as a Saint. Tony Gonzalez, he spent 12 years with the Chiefs. Now look, I'm not offended by all of this. I do think it was a dumb comment to say, no offense, Kansas City. Could he have worded his comment? He could have said, look... Uh, I I had twelve great years in Kansas City, and Atlanta helped me have five more good years. Maybe something to that effect. Because again, what he said, Atlanta made his career okay. Uh, I don't think he ever had a thousand yard receiving season with the uh, with the Falcons, and I don't think he ever got to a Super Bowl with the with the Falcons. He only won one playoff game only one so look uh, I, I don't know what it is and by the way when Gonzalez joined the Falcons right away he was quoted saying that Matt Ryan was one of the best quarterbacks he's ever played with I don't know it just seems like he's he, 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 he he's, he's never held back from saying positive things about the Falcons. But he's kind of, hell, and I don't know, I mean, look, I get that there was animosity with Carl Peterson, but he's gone. So I don't really know what Tony Gonzalez has against the Chiefs or Kansas City. And maybe I'm making too big of a deal of it. I don't know. I'm trying to find answers just like you guys are. What I will say is, Tony Gonzalez does have a diva side to him. The guy hardly, I remember being credentialed with the media in 2008. Tony Gonzalez never spoke to the media after games. Because the Chiefs lost every game except for two. And in the one of the two games where the Chiefs won against the Broncos. Yeah, Broncos. Uh, the Chiefs snapped their 12 game losing streak. They were 0-3 and the Broncos were 3-0. and That was when Larry Johnson probably had his last good game as a Chief. Gonzalez did not talk to to the media after the game. Why? Because he was angry that he was two yards away from the uh, record for most uh, receiving yards in NFL history by a tight end. He wanted it to happen at home. Instead, it happened a week later at Carolina where the Chiefs got shut down. Uh, He was angry because of that. I mean, come on. You you snapped a 12-game losing streak. It clearly showed... That Gonzalez was not in it for Kansas City. He was in it for himself. He knew the Chiefs were going to probably be a one-win or a two-win se- uh, team uh, that season. So he just wanted to have the stats that year that would help him have a glorified persona, I guess. That's what Gonzalez was after in his last years with Kansas City. I don't think he was looking for any, any anything to really... Be feel uh, to 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 feel proud about as a chief, just want it to be Tony Gonzalez. So, I don't know. Uh, a lot of chiefs are still angry and they're not really accepting of his damage control apology, whatever you want to call that video that he put out there. Uh, look, I mentioned with the Willie Rolfe example, I, he was able to praise. The Saints while going into the Hall of Fame as a Saint. While also praising the Chiefs. You Listen, I, as a Chiefs fan, I acknowledge that Gonzalez spent five years elsewhere. He can go out there and say good things about both franchises. Why not? Now, there are some cases like Marcus Allen. A lot of people are shocked that he wanted to go into the Hall of Fame as a Chief instead of a Raider. He had a more relevant career with the Raiders. Than he did with the Chiefs. But he liked Kansas City more. And, and look, Chiefs fans should feel proud of that, I, I guess. But uh, I, I think that is something that Raiders fans maybe hold. Uh, by the way, Gonzalez apparently, and I don't recall this, but a lot of Chiefs fans have tweeted me this. Gonzalez apparently said that he would sign a one-day contract with Kansas City and he never did. I've never cared about these one-day con- I honestly think those are stupid. What do you gain out of that? What does that even mean that you signed a one-day contract? Like, you're really going to remember that the guy played one day? No. A one-day contract means nothing. Yeah, on the Wikipedia page, it's going to show your last uh, team was with the Chiefs, but really, are we going to remember that 20 years from now that he signed a one-day contract? <laughs> I just, I, I don't. Uh, I don't care that he didn't. Uh, look, I'm not offended by this, and maybe it's because I'm a guy that does not get offended very easily, but a lot of Chiefs fans are angry about this. Let me know your thoughts. Discussion is always ongoing, so let me know on Facebook and on Twitter what your thoughts are on Tony Gonzalez, and do you want him to go into the Hall of Fame as a Chief? Because it sounds like a lot of Chiefs fans do not want that anymore. Uh, Pretty shocking. Uh, One of the more popular players in uh, franchise history, a lot of people would probably say that he is the best player Uh, to ever play for the franchise not named Derek Thomas and maybe Len Dawson's name is also up there but if you had to pick the top three Chiefs Gonzalez's name is in there and number one is definitely Derek Thomas in probably everyone's mind Gonzalez is probably number two in most minds with Len Dawson a, a, a close third place And now a lot of Chiefs fans feel like he's turned their back on the franchise and they want to turn their backs to him. Let me know your thoughts. Do you feel that way or do you feel like this is complete overreaction over something small? I think it's complete overreaction over something small. Look, the Atlanta media asked him to comment about his time with Atlanta. Again, he could have worded it better, but I don't think it's anything to really get worked up about. I really don't. There there are worse things that are being said out there and by players and by the media, not not this Falcons made my career. Like I mean, you're really worked up over that. Uh, G- Gonzalez has been praising the Falcons for a long time over the Chiefs. This is not the first time, and you're just now picking up on this. Kind of feels weird to me. A couple things before we sign off here: the halftime show uh, with Maroon Five. Uh, look, uh, I I said before I like Maroon Five. I think I think their music is good. Uh, I thought their halftime show was good. Not great. Not, th- th- there wasn't a spectacle like there usually is with these Super Bowl halftime shows. Th- th- you, I liked the ending when um, they had uh, the lanterns on, with uh, She Will Be Loved. I thought that was pretty creative. But other than that, uh, not a whole lot. I wasn't really blown away by this halftime show with Maroon 5. I did like Travis Scott's entrance. I thought that was pretty awesome. But I did not like Travis Scott. In this game, if you thought the Rams had a bad first half, Travis Scott came in there and he proved that he can do worse than the Rams. He absolutely sucked, killed any momentum Maroon Five actually had in this performance. Uh, so I, I just was not a big fan of Travis Scott. Uh, not a big fan at all. Uh, Adam Living, by the way, went shirtless in the end. Uh, back in the back in the day, they call that a wall a wardrobe malfunction with. Um, uh, Janet Jackson but uh, I saw a tweet from Mick Schaefer saying he's two songs away from going completely naked uh, I don't know what that was with the shirtless thing I, I think he could have done it without that by the way my dad he's not the most well versed when it comes to music and celebrities and all that he watched the halftime show and he goes <laughs> He goes, Is that the Rams coach? <laughs> oh, that was the funniest thing ever. But anytime I hear Maroon 5, I'm going to think of my dad's question as to whether or not that was the Rams coach. Like, if anytime I hear or or, or see Sean McVay or Adam Levine, I'm just going to think of that comment, the question from my dad. Was that the Rams coach singing? Uh, But no, I mean, look, I thought Maroon 5 did pretty well. Um, Funny enough, during the halftime show, uh, Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports was kicked out of the Super Bowl. Let me set this up. So Barstool Sports, we've talked about Barstool Sports They've been in the center of uh, controversy a couple of times, and Barstool Sports—they're—they're—it's a bro esque kind of website. Some of their guys maybe a little too much. Uh, they do have like a female side; they call it Barstool Chicks, I think, to help kind of expand to the females out there to 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 attract that audience. Uh, but they—they're a bias; they're biased towards their teams, whoever they support. Uh, they're banned from just about every NFL event possible. Dave Portnoy and, uh, the guy who they call PFT Commenter, who, I don't know what his real name is, I think it's Wayne Tables, I don't know, they got kicked out of media day. Then, after being interrogated for three hours, they were told they cannot come back. Dave Portnoy, who had a ticket to the game, he and his cameraman, they still went, uh, Dave, by the way, he tried to throw off the um, the security guys by posting uh, videos and, and po- pictures from different spots in the stadium from other people. That did not fool the, the security guys. They went in there and, and they got Dave out of a seat. They actually dragged him out of a seat while Maroon 5 is singing She Will Be Loved, <laughs> which I thought was comical. Uh, but they take him back. Uh, he got arrested, took him to a holding cell, not to prison— A cameraman also got kicked out for filming. By the way, the NFL makes too big of a deal out of this. Dave Portnoy, uh, well, the police officers, they were getting told by the NFL what to do, and they were actually getting irritated. One of them was actually a fan of Portnoy's, and they thought, look, there are worse things happening in this stadium that police officers should be arresting Dave Portnoy. They took him to a holding cell, and then they just kicked him out of the stadium. They didn't do much. Uh, Look, Dave. Dave goes after. Dave went to the Patriots party after the game, and Roger Goodell found out he was there, and security got he got security basically throw him out, which is ridiculous. Look, there's a vendetta because of how Barstool Sports reacted to his uh, actions on DeflateGate, plus the uh, shirts and towels of Goodell as a clown, plus the lawsuit that the NFL lost against Barstool Sports because of t-shirt designs that the NFL apparently had ideas of. Here's the thing, man. You can't be throwing guys out because of an opinion. You just can't. Uh, you got to be able to do better than that. And for the NFL, uh, there have been incidents like this. In MMA, we saw it when Ariel Halwani accurately reported Brock Lesnar coming back. And the UFC got angry about it and they took his credential away. You can't do that for a guy doing his job right. Uh, look, I get Barstool Sports is not traditional journalism, but... It is highly popular. In fact, they had more website hits than NFL.com did. They they, they just did. I mean, that's a that's a fact this week. And uh, look, props to Dave Portnoy. The way he handled all of that. Uh, the, and it made for a funny story. Although, look, if you're banned from something, I, I, I imagine, you know, it might not be worth going in there. And I get you spent thousands of dollars on tickets, but... It's not worth getting into that kind of trouble even though the police officers there thought okay this is ridiculous we're we're arresting a guy because he did what now he showed up when he was banned and what was he banned for and by the way Dave Portnoy mentioned that the NFL was because a crowd was forming because Dave's a celebrity he really is uh, because a crowd was forming. The NFL was telling the police officers to walk faster, and that actually really pissed off police. Listen, I've interviewed a lot of police officers. They're really nice people, but when you tell them, because their job is highly intense, and they've they've been trained aggressively how to do their jobs, okay? I've never been a police officer. I don't know any police officers, but I know that to become a police officer, you go through a lot, and I've interviewed enough police officers during my time, you know, covering news uh, when I was in Lawrence that these guys don't like to be told what to do because no one else has ever been in their shoes. So when, when the NFL did that, that really irritated them. So look, uh, props to these police officers for being cool and realizing, hey, look, we're being told to do something really dumb right now. Detaining a guy who did what? Nothing, essentially. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Because I know uh, Kirk Minahan, a former Boston sports radio host, he tried to get Roger Goodell to comment on this on camera, and Roger Goodell kept walking away. He pretends like he doesn't know who they are, Barstool Sports, but he does. He absolutely does. Let me know your thoughts on this. We've got a big discussion about this on the Facebook page as well, and you guys have tweeted me your thoughts as well. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Share the links as well. Let's get to 4,000 likes on the Facebook page soon. I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. My name is Farzan Vesuga, again. as always, keep the interaction going. We'll do a podcast on Friday. It'll be the last time we have two podcasts per week. Then we'll be going back to once per week. I don't know exactly what day we'll have the podcast come up, but I'll let you guys know on Friday's episode. So I will talk to you guys on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your week. The offseason is on talk about the chiefs being favored to win the super bowl next year and much more on friday talk to you then take care